I'll just keep on going if you guys don't have anything. Hey, yeah, no, I'm good. I, okay. I accept all the the plot holes. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of plot holes here, but we're showing what what it would what it would require for this to to work. And um, honestly, if you have a problem with the gaps, that, that if anything, that just highlights how difficult it would actually be. Yep. Um, I mean, uh, and a lot of it could just be the people like what Nick was saying before about getting lucky, not just on the field but off the field. Somebody just magically comes in. Uh, somebody's agent emails you and says, "Oh, this Premier League player wants to dump a bunch of money into your club," and then you you get bailed out of a hiatus, something like that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, You're giving you a bunch of players for essentially free. So D two. There isn't the jump from D three to D two isn't huge, and I think this is where a lot of the pro rel people get stuck is that they see a USL one team going to USL championship or switching to MLS next pro or going back and forth is kind of easy, and I'm not going to say it's difficult, but it's it's. Or that it's easy, but it's this is the smallest jump we have from league to league. The stadium goes from meeting fifteen hundred seats to, to twenty five hundred to five thousand seats. Your player budget's going up, but it's not going up a ton. So last season, let's say we were able to do it on a million dollars on the low end. Now it's going to be three million. So that's a jump. It's a big jump, but we're not going from fifteen thousand to thirty thousand from d4 to a million for d3 luckily because of just how things worked the owner that we had last year who came in and bailed us out at the start of the season does the exact same thing the stadium shows up that has the extra space the fans show up so our our, um our ticket sales go up incredibly because we're now D2 and everyone knows what that means. And everyone's suddenly excited about having a D2 team because we're about to make MLS. Merchandise goes up five times. Food goes up five times. Sponsorship goes up five times. Tickets goes up three times. So we're making a lot of money. We're being successful. Our games are showing on national TV. The reality of all this is your income will not go up this way. <laughs> the uh, the players are likely not just going to show up for the fourth year in a row who can win on a national stage at this level. The fans are just... I don't want to say that fans aren't going to understand the difference, but last year, if you switched the R&Y with FCU change their change their uniforms and had them each play do a freaky friday thing where one played at MC, FCU played at MCC and uh, RNY played at the downtown stadium 7 out of 10 fans at that game would have no idea that the players were different because this is their first game they're not going to know they don't have that ingrained knowledge of the players that a lot of other people Oh, that we would have, for example. Um, and that's just because we're nerds. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's not a, hey, look at us. We're so smart. It's, oh, no, you, you have a problem. You need to stop paying attention to 20-year-old kids as much as you are. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, 
you might be downplaying a little bit of how much more um, fans would show up. Because here's the thing that, you know, the, the early days of the Rhinos, were, I, I think what drove a lot of the interest was that realistic, um, uh, that it was realistic that they were going to get to MLS, mm-hmm. you know. And when that went away, that kind of, you know, that's kind of when the attendance started slipping. I guess moving into the new stadium, you could say you know, ownership or whatever. But I think if you're going from D3 and then you go to D2, and then now the fans are like, wow, we're one step away from MLS. I think fans, I, I, that's, that is the beauty of, of the pro route, is that, you know, right now if you have a USL championship team, you're just in USL championship. You win USL championship, cool. You're in the same league again next year. But if you're like on the cusp of, let's say, one league below, and I think that is the one thing I will agree with a lot of the a lot of the stuff I read on Twitter. These pro pro rel people um, is that yeah, it would create this excitement. And the same thing as we alluded to earlier, at the bottom of the table of the MLS would create excitement because those teams don't want to move down. Um, so I, I think that that would be like a like a huge you know increase in, in interest. I will say though. The, the one thing, and the, the only part of this I, I think that um, I think is going from the fifth and fourth tier to the third. I think from third down, I think everything is realistic because you're talking the same ownership group can, can do it, I think, realistically. So if I were, if we won, let's say, the UPSL, we, we got the promotion, and my choice is between moving up to D3 and having to give up. 95% of my ownership in the club or just staying in UPSL and maintaining my percentages that I own, I would stay in the UPSL. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. want to, I wouldn't, cause essentially then I don't, I don't own the team anymore. I'm just yeah. a minority <laughs> owner. And I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, and yeah. I don't know how many people would, but yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of the big problems. And it, just to clarify a little bit on the ticket sales, is that this will all be in the the document we create and send out after. But I have the tickets going from four hundred k in D three up to one point five million to make the finances work. I'm sure the league gives some money after, but the uh, that's where that's where a lot of my is this is this a possibility to get is kind of an issue because you're probably going to need a 10k seat stadium at that level and be charging three four times the amount for that to work. Okay, I think, yeah, that sounds yeah. Uh, now you're going four four x of what you were making before. That makes sense because yeah. I think there would there would be that interest definitely. Yeah. Well, you see it a lot of times, even in in these European leagues, like specifically the uh, the Italian leagues, where you know teams that are going down from A, their stadiums get very very empty towards the end of the season, and in B, Serie B, the teams that are at this point, there's a couple teams, you know, two teams that are guaranteed to go up, Frosinone and Genoa, they're packed out. The only exception to that, I would say, is Sampdoria, who is absolutely going down, but they pack their stadium regardless, and that's just because they're batshit crazy. But the, there's you see that even in Europe, where when 
you know, the writing's on the wall one way or the other, positive or negative, you see that fluctuation in ticket prices. And that's just the way shit works. Like it, it's at the end of the day, it's entertainment. Uh, a lot of people like to say it's life and death and it might feel like life and death at some points, but it's an entertainment product. So when the shit looks good, people show up. And when it looks bad, people don't show up. So that has a, a very strong influence on support and ticket prices. So, so now that we've won the championship in uh, USL uh, championship, <laughs> we're now going to move up to MLS. And this is where there's, there's another big change. And we need to get a new owner again because our expenses are going up and someone who had 10 million liquid, it's just, they, they can't do it. Um, the stadium also magically appears that goes from 10 K seats we had last year to 40 and with room to grow. Good news is because we're a community asset, it's free as the city state is now paying for it. Player salaries are going to explode. Um, staff's going to increase by six times at least. Um, or realistically, you become a tenant in like an NFL stadium. Yeah, not that that not that that's ever happened. <laughs> so, our expenses this year were last year it was three million. Our budget this year is thirty six million. Um, players are huge. Staff's huge. We've got tons of flights, tons of hotels. Um, marketing, just miscellaneous. There's going to be tons of costs there. Um, luckily, our income is a lot higher. And this is a little bit where the pro-rel side doesn't work from the MLS point of view. Is So let's just say last season tickets were selling for $200 for the low end. Now we're able to sell some for three thousand. Um, your sponsorship explodes because games are shown on national TV. Merchandise, merchandise sales goes up because everyone in the city knows who you are. Everyone's now interested in having that, and you also have marketing arms of companies like Adidas, for example, essentially making you merch for free that you sell and make a profit on because you just give them a logo and their team goes nuts. They make a lot of money off of it, but you also make a lot of money off of it. So just to throw a funny number out there, I'm putting our income as $69 million for that year. <laughs> uh, tickets tickets and sponsorship are about the same at around $30 million each, and then merchandise and food make up the rest. Um, the problem is disaster strikes. So our two designated players get injured in the first three games. The other signings just don't work out. So despite a valiant effort, we're relegated with three games left to go. Um, I can go on unless you guys have some thoughts. Like I said, I think if from from a from a D three to D one, I, I think it's feasible. I think trying to get anything after that, and I think. There would, because technically, I mean, the USL and whatever the those the UPSL those leagues are they're not really like part of the they're part of the pyramid, but they're not like technically like a fourth tier. So I think yeah. what, what would need to happen is there would be to, there needs to be a new pro league created or 
Nisa would have to become like the fourth tier because it's not USL League One. Yep. Um, there's, I think, a pretty big gulf in talent between. Um, not that a Nisa team couldn't beat like a USL one team or even a USL championship team because I think it's happened, but um, I think you would need to create like another layer there. And that league would have to be regionalized. You couldn't have, I wouldn't make that like a national league. I would have it like, like in Italy, Mike, when does it start getting real regionalized at, at the third tier? Yeah. And see, yeah. yeah. So even I'd say maybe your first two tiers are national. And then at three, that splinters off into at least East and West. And then four, now you're talking it splinters into like four regions. So mm-hmm. now instead of needing like a million dollar budget, maybe you only need like a six hundred thousand dollar budget. Your travel, you could drive the games. You don't have to um, fly, and then you have a national final. You know, you have the four regions meet. You know, in the end, and however you you do it, if it's just one team gets promoted, or let's say the final four get promoted, and then in, from the other division two from each one, each division move down. Um, I think it'd have to actually be like a pyramid. So like the lower you go, the more teams there are. Um, yeah. And the only one that really, um, uh, the English is, it doesn't start splintering off until I think the sixth tier, even the fifth tier where like Wrexham is, is just one league. Well, yeah, but that, that's it's, because their whole country is the size of the state we live in. Like, they, they do, they do have different, it does splinter in the fifth tier, um, but it's not, I'll be honest, for how much the Wrexham series I've watched, I, I want to say only the winner gets promoted, but I think there's also some this some weirdness about the regional part because people in England hate to drive and think a four-hour drive is atrocious. The fifth tier is one division. Um, it's called the uh, conference. Only the winner gets... The winner gets automatically promoted, and then two through six or two through seven go into a playoff and the playoff winner wins. And then after that, it splits into like conference North and conference South. And after that, it starts splitting into like, like I think Germany after the third tier, it goes, I want to say there's like five regions. So their fourth tier has like five regions. We would need something like that. Cause yeah. the, the U S is just so huge. Like just, well with, with the U S we would have to have regional, to some degree, up until Division Two, I mean, I mean, even D One still has East and West, and that's fine. You can't really do a sing- I mean, you can do a single table, but I think yeah. if if you're gonna do regional, you could do regional D One all the way down to the bottom in America, and nobody would necessarily bitch about it if there's pro rel. That's the thing. Like you have pro rel basically between divisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the big thing is that that's kind of what the idea behind USL League One was supposed to be. It's supposed to be hyper regional. It's supposed to be something that you could run a team for less than for for significantly less than what you could run a USL Championship team. Um, I know we know what some of the numbers are for what the Rhinos were able to run because of who they were, where they're located and how USL championship at the time 
was that they, they only needed about 1.3, 1.5 mil in 20, at the end of 2017 to run for 2018. But that's because they were surrounded by a lot of teams in that division. When Real Monarchs, they looked at going from USL Championship down to USL League One. And because every every trip was going to be a flight because no one was local, the cost difference to go down was $7,000 from D2, from USL Championship to League One. So I, I think what we're kind of coming down to with all this is that we really... A lot of the, the way to make this work is for probably D3 to get one league and probably another 40 to 60 teams to make it something that actually works with part of that being D4 going from the amateur to the pro ranks, most likely. Yeah, it's interesting how League One, um, it's been around for what, five, six years? And a lot of the teams are located around like where you are, like in the North yeah. Carolina, Appalachian area. There's like a bunch of teams, and then West Coast, there's like barely anything. And um, but I think that just goes to show, like that was something that they were they were trying to create, and they're still at like 12 teams. You know, it just goes to show how hard it is mm-hmm. to start up a team and to, to have the budget. And I don't think any of those teams are really. I mean, if they're making money, I don't think they're making much. It's just it's a tough business. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough business, and part of it too is that if you're buying in, I'm really good at spending other people's money, as we've talked on the podcast for the last two years. But if you're buying in and your cost is, let's say, 40, 50 percent more for that higher level. A lot of people are just going to do it. That's why a lot of the teams are going to USL Championship rather than the um, League One because well, you've already got the expenses. Why don't you just when you just pay it? Yeah. Um. So I, I'm going to go into the the kind of not the last season, but the uh, the move back down to D D two and what that means. Um. So we're not idiots, but we realized pretty pretty early on last year when we were in MLS that we weren't going to stay up. So we saved all our pennies throughout the season. We uh, cut some players when they uh, missed some training sessions and d- did some other kind of sh- snarky things to to get those to get that sixty nine million dollars that we got last year um, to go f- go for a little bit. Um. The problem is because of all the expenses we had last year and the fact that MLS players aren't going to sign a one-year contract, our D2 budget is now three times what it was two years ago. Um, most of the players we, we kept. And um, we did get a one-time payment from MLS to help with the transition, but that's a one-time payment. Um, the other issue. So stadiums just showed up last year. Or throughout the last couple seasons, but that's not going to happen. We're not going to suddenly be able to go back to the old stadium. So we're stuck with the new stadium. Um, now people start commenting how few people are showing up, which then puts the puts the stadium or puts the town against us because they looked at how great things were. 
at the end of the season, we end up in fourth place and we get knocked out of the promotion playoffs after a missed handball happened in the box because we don't have VAR because we're in the D2 division. Um, all our expenses, our expenses this year were, a couple of years ago, it was $3 million. Our expenses this year are 15 because we had a bunch of layout from the previous season. The stadium rent is costing us money. The marketing, all of that, it's just, it's huge. The income was about half of that, and that includes the balloon payment of $5 million. And unlike in the past, where the league's going to help us out, there isn't the same interest now to bail us out. We missed the last rental payment for the uh, stadium. The city suspends our lease, and our dream is over when the league pulls our franchise rights for the following season. Uh, Stop if you've heard this before. Um, That's kind of the end of the dream. And I think what I will say, just to toot my own horn, is I think this is part of the problem, is it's a lot easier to go up when that excitement hits. But when you start going down less people are going to show up, you're going to get less income, but your expenses are still going to stay at certain levels. And I think that's kind of the, the dream is always about moving up. It's not about moving down. And we know why that is, but that's where the reality of why this doesn't happen. Um, Charlotte spent $325 million to become a D1 team. If they had the chance of becoming a D2 team the next year and a D3 team the following year, you're not going to see that investment. You're There's a lot of areas that need to get filled out before this becomes a problem, before this becomes the reality. Um, I think we've gone over a lot of it already, um, but I'll kind of give you guys the floor of what your thoughts are. Well, I guess, how would you, let's say, all right, so when you have, a let's say, a top-tier MLS, or right now, so let's say we're starting, this is year one of Pro Rel. Yep, Are yep. you starting it with all, and there's going to be another team added? There's going to be a 30th team added, I think, right, eventually? Yeah. Are you starting with 30 teams in MLS, and you're going to keep 30 in MLS? You're not, like, so moving down 10 of them to make it 20 like every like league yeah the 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 way i kind of see it working if we're doing it in reality first the 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 three go up three go down is not going to happen um that's just that's too many teams that's too much risk for the top teams and it's too too many teams at the lower tier just aren't going to be able to physically do it so i think what it would be is a little bit more like the the japanese league where even if you get promoted, there's financial requirements that you hit that you have to you have to you have to have ownership, you have to have stadium, you have to have all these things in line to to be promoted after you've been promoted. And if those don't happen, then there is no promotion relegation that year. Who's ever finished last gets a reprieve. They they stay in that league. So I think that's going to be one of the requirements because let's say somehow one of these NISA teams that has 300 people showing up in a 5,000 seat stadium wins their league and then wins the championship next year. You're not going to have a, you're not going to have an issue where like 
what is it Burnley has 9,000 seats in their stadium. Like MLS just isn't going to allow that. That's just not going to happen. They're not going to be able to make money. There's not enough money in the league. So I think you'd have, you'd have requirements. You'd have some sort of leveling off period. Like what, what, what do we call it with USL? Like the Terminator season where every 10 teams get relegated at the end. If you're under a certain level, um, and that's going to cause a lot of issues because there's just there's been a lot of money spent in the last five years, especially in USL. There's been money spent in MLS that a lot of teams' finances are going to get thrown in disarray because of this requirement for something that helps, but I'm going to say doesn't really change things that much. Um, the other side to going a little bit more of a rant that I've always seen as kind of the pro rel in the U S is the playoffs. So it's not, as, it's not as exciting for the, the back end of the league, but for the front end, you finish eighth, you've got a chance of winning the entire thing. And I think that's where, that's where I think a lot of our energy should be spent more of, until we get the back end issues fixed of we need, I think D4 and D1, we're in pretty good shape. Um, D2 and D3, D2, I think we've, we've got a good enough amount of teams now that most of the, the, the uh, MLS next or the MLS two teams are now in MLS next pro, but we need probably another, even with the three leagues, let's just say they all combine next week. We'd probably need another 30 to 40 teams in specific regional areas to make those leagues work. And what would you do for like, let's say, you know, like you mentioned Charlotte, how they, they invested all that money. Let's say one of those new teams were one of the ones that, uh, that got relegated. How would you deal with? Uh, like, so there would probably, there would probably be a period of time where in my view, new teams wouldn't happen, but let's say that it, let's say in 20, 2026, we're, we're suddenly doing it because that's what makes sense. Anyone who's spent more than anyone who's a certain age in the league. So let's say you're within five years of being in the league, your balloon payment would be tremendous for that year because in theory, this is going to bring a lot more money into the league. There's going to be, a lot more interest from abroad for whatever reason. Um, so let's say if you're three years out of spending that 325, you get a rebate of $100 million for over the next three seasons if you don't make it back. Um, that's probably not a realistic number. That's something I just pulled out of my ass, but it would have to be substantial money for a relatively long period of time and the problem I see with that is that's going to – the easy way to take that out is the team that gets promoted doesn't get the same payments as everyone else in the league. And so what's going to happen is they're then they're going to get relegated because their expenses went up six times, but their income from the league is significantly lower. Um so uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough tough transition with how we have the finances. I think th- the way to make this work is basically 
the top two divisions need to stop allowing teams be stable and do that for a while before we can really look into any of this just occurring at all. How did you feel about, um, and this is something I read uh, online probably about a year ago, and I, I don't know how realistic this was, but there was like a, um, I don't even remember who wrote the article, but it was uh, a North American Super League. So you had like 10 MLS teams. In NASL. League MX teams. Yeah. So that's like the high, that's the top flight. And then there would be promotion relegation between that and the remaining Mexican teams and the remaining MLS teams. So now you have a first and a, a mm-hmm. second division. So now you still have MLS, but then above it, it's like you're creating this like super league above it. Uh, how would you feel about like something like that? Would that like um, quench your thirst for a promotion relegation or? Well, I want. guess my question would be, would Mexican teams be inserted into D2, D3, and D4 then? Or is it just the top level? And then it's it's essentially it's, it's essentially it's making it even more complicated because now you have two separate pyramids feeding into a very tippy top. No, there would be no, like, um, like there would just be MLS and then there, no one would feed into MLS. It would just be... Mm-hmm. Um, like one, let's say one Amer- one uh, MLS team goes up and down, and one Mexican team goes up and down every year. So if the Mexican team, the worst Mexican team, I guess finished like 14, and obviously the last place team is US, those two mm-hmm. would go down. And they would, would. Do you think that would? Do you think that would like give people like, oh, now there's actual pro roller? Do you, do you think most people want it to go all the way down to the like pyramid? I think I know what the answer is, but... No, I don't think it would be... I mean, add Canada into that mix, too, if we're going to fucking... Yeah. Oh, that crazy. I I, I think... I think a lot of people are, with ProRel, are stuck on the English model, which, in my mind, we just don't have enough teams. I do think that has a much more... Having the Super League between the two countries and then essentially... That becomes Division S, and then Division One in the U.S. is MLS, what it is today. Um, I think that has a much more realistic chance of happening. Um, the just uh, I, and having it have have it be one team is the realistic number. We're not going to get three because, yeah, as I said a couple times, we don't have enough teams for that. But it's the issue is how do you how do you make that exciting? Because what's going to happen is one t- in mo- I haven't researched this, but it feels like in most most relegation battles are between three to six teams at the end of a season for two spots, nineteenth and eighteenth. The twentieth, we know who that is a long time before it actually happens, and. I think that would cause a lot of instability problems potentially, but then we wouldn't just, no one would care as much as they think they would have. Well, I also don't give a shit about Mexican soccer. So (laughs) yeah, well, that's, I think the other thing is I'm not sure how the two leagues compare talent wise. 
Um, I think they're getting closer and closer. Uh, a symptom of that might be, you know, the how the national teams themselves are doing. Um, I know not everybody in MLS is American and not everybody in Liga Mackies is Mexican, but I think the gap is starting to close a little bit. I still mm-hmm. think it would be dominated mostly by Mexican teams, but again, I don't give a fuck about Mexican teams. So if that happened, like I, as it is right now, I barely give a fuck about MLS. And then if you add also another league, I don't care about into that. I'm going to, it's not going to suddenly make me care more. Yeah. I stopped caring about MLS uh, March 20th of uh, last year. That's very specific. Why? What happened? Yes. <laughs> Why? Yeah. What happened? I, I moved here. Oh, you started caring or started not caring? Started caring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that that's really what it is. Is like if you don't have – I mean, the, the so I guess the closest MLS team to Rochester is Toronto, and that's maybe hour and a half, two hours away. Yeah. It's still not enough for me to, to give a shit. It's, it, it's not – enough for me to to say to have some type of ownership of it where it's a different country it's a different city i don't feel connected to it like yeah, well, and- I, I, I could easily be like well you know it's the closest thing or i could be like you know what let me go support one of the new york city teams but they've shown time and time again they don't give a fuck about rochester they don't care whether mm-hmm. i support them or not it's not my thing why should i mm-hmm. give a fuck and that's yep. a lot of these problems is unless you live in these cities there's no reason to follow MLS. Yep. And follow your local teams like Rock City Boom. Which exactly? Whose season is starting April 16th, right? April 16th, yes, sir. Four o'clock at Eastridge High School. Uh, tickets are still available. Go How on much are tickets? The, uh, RockCityBoom.com/tickets. Tickets are ten dollars. Yeah. Fourth so, title in a row, right? Four F. We've won the last three. Uh, New York uh, conference titles going for number four. Uh, we got some competition. Uh, we always have competition. It's never, uh, never like we, we've never run away with it. Um, it always, always comes down to the wire. That's, that's kind of the way you want it to be. You know, you want some good teams. You don't want to just blow everyone out every year. Uh, no, there's going to be some good, uh, gonna be some good action this year. We have, uh, the, what remains of, uh, RNYFC, uh, their academy team. Um, they should have a they should have a pretty good team. That's Star Wars night, isn't it? I believe so. Um, that's awesome. I'll have to I'll have to check and see if that's uh, been confirmed. But that we're we're planning on that. Yeah. So uh, basically, without Pro Rel, if you want to see your local team succeed, you have to go buy tickets. You have to show up to the Rock City Boom, and then maybe. They could pull a Detroit City or a Maryland Bobcats and be able to move up. That's really the only way, isn't it? it, it yeah. Without support, mm-hmm. it's not possible. It, it's self promotion. Yeah, because Detroit City, what they did is, to me, it's it, they've shown that there's a way to there's a way to do it. They've shown it, it's doable, but. Man, just from it was like five guys, I guess, just got together, pulled together, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars, 
started the team up and it just that's how all these like all, all the teams that people like to watch on TV like like Man U or any of these like big English teams the stories are always it was started by four school children who worked at the light bulb factory and <laughs> used to get together behind the church and play and then it turned yeah. into Manchester United and people yeah. hold that up to like such a high regard like oh you know all this history but then you get a situation like you know a mailman and a guy who is a telemarketer. I don't, I don't really know what you do, but I'm just I'm calling you a telemarketer. <laughs> they got together and started a team, and people like to say like, "Oh, it's just amateur ball," but it's the same fucking thing. Yeah, and I mean, technically, we're we're a tier above Wrexham. If you want to get like, mm-hmm. if if you want to consider us fourth tier, which I don't, I don't, we're a tier below three, so. I guess if that makes us four, okay, Rexham is in the fifth tier. Um, I mean, we're not Hollywood actors, but yeah, um, I just, uh, you know, I guess it is what it is. You know, people, um, you know, maybe it's that the guys are local-based. and um, But, I mean, we got some really talented players on our team. I mean, the, the soccer, if, if it's a, from a, um, you know, like if people think, oh, well, the level's not that great. Guys are talented. The teams we play are good. Uh, they're competitive they're, games. They're competitive games, and it's like Mike said. If you know, we were drawing. You know, we we had two, three thousand, let's say, people a game, or let's say even more. Let's say we go to the Detroit model, and we start averaging five thousand a game. Now maybe we add a few friendlies. Now instead of playing six home games, we play ten home games. Say so draw five thousand people a game. That's fifty thousand. Let's say we make the tickets now that more people are coming. We we move the price up a little bit. Now it's fifteen dollars. That's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars right there. Would you yeah. still would you still do the playoffs or money back guarantee at that level though? Which you do have this year, by the way. Um, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to answer that. The, the uh, so just to put the uh, perspective of tickets there. Um, so tickets are ten dollars now. He said, yeah. "If we're getting five thousand a game, we'll put put him up to fifteen. Um, that's a lot of that, that's a at that level. That's a lot of money for the team. But my tickets right now at Charlotte FC seventh row and one twenty seven, which is basically the corner flag, are eighty six a game. Yeah. And there's 20, 20 games that I'm going to. So." That's a big. That's one of the big areas that we kind of didn't talk about here. Is that with ProRel, you, you have. I mean, you're not going to charge for D5, but let's say you go all the way up, getting all those fans to go from paying ten bucks a game to three years later paying eighty six. It's not going to happen. What you're going to yeah. get is like, oh, the, you know, this club isn't for me anymore. Blah blah blah. And and that's the shit that I said, even j- just to keep it like hyper recent was the first season of RNYC, RNYFC. Mm-hmm. We had our tickets for 85 bucks, And then this last, you know, the season that isn't happening now, but they charged everybody like 160 for it. So that's pretty much close to doubling your ticket prices. And I was all up and down fucking fussing yeah. left and right about it. Like, you know, if anything, you should be grandfathering in. So if in this system if there was like a grandfathering program where like you've been with us since day one, 
you get your ticket prices locked in. And then everybody else who decides to show up to the party late, once you start moving up the ranks, that's who you make your money off of. Could be a way for a team to do it. It's a little complicated, but it would yeah, be a way to keep those original fans around. There, there'd have to be a lot of a lot of TV money involved. The um, the, the real way I think teams, just to take a tangent a little bit, I think the real way that teams make money is merch. So the the, the great thing about merch is you can get you can get it whenever you can buy it wherever. And you're not tied to a weeknight or a weekend at a specific time, which is, frankly, one of the issues. I'm going to miss two games this year because I'm going to be traveling. And that's... Who knows how much the team is going to get when I'm gone? Because there's a certain amount that I know. Every every home game I go to, to be perfectly honest, I'm probably spending 50 bucks minimum, probably more than that. And... Who knows who, who that replaced, who the people who are going to go, or if they just don't even, I don't know, if I don't sell my tickets. It's, there's a, there's a lot of expenses, and that, that's why merch, I think, makes sense, but you have to get the, it's very easy once you hit, I don't want to say it's easy. You can hit a certain level and become viral or become something that everyone's excited about, like what the Rhinos were in the early, in the late 90s, and merch will fly off the shelves. Same team, ten years later, it wasn't it wasn't happening, and you can have the same people working doing the same promos, and it happens or it doesn't. But there's there, there's a lot of things with that. I mean, I, I remember um, Nick, or Nick. If you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to. But scarves, uh-huh. um, with the River Dogs, you had scarves one year, and that became a pretty big expense that didn't really pay off, didn't it? No. Um, and one of the things I it just, I guess, bugs me the most is, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll release like a t-shirt or something and we'll have all these people. Oh, oh I want one. I'm, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one. And one of the handful of people that always gets one is Mike. Mike always puts his money where his mouth is. <laughs> yeah. But there's all these other people that are like, yeah, we want one. We want one. And, when it comes down to paying, no one pays. So that was one of the growing pains, I guess, of the first year of the River Dogs was we didn't know. You know, we thought, oh, we're, we're this new team. We got these cool colors. We got this cool design. Let's order 100 scarves. And, you know, when we sold like three of them, now we still have like 100. Well, I mean, we gave you guys some, I think. At the one. Yeah, I got, you <laughs> so gave me like four of them. So, yeah, yeah, Mark yeah. gave me four of them at a game. <laughs> but, uh, you know we got all these scarves left over. Um, I guess that's just the growing pains of like, uh, you know, guys that are doing it for the first time and don't really know. Now we know better. That's why we haven't ordered scarves in the four years. Um, I've kind of wanted to just, uh, um, and maybe not a hundred, but like on a smaller scale, um, just to have like, maybe even for like a promo or like a giveaway, or maybe you sell a couple here and there, but that's why we haven't done that just because it's, mm-hmm. it gets expensive. And uh, when no one ends up buying them, you know, but if it was, you know, such and such MLS team, yeah, they'll fly off the shelves, you know, cause it's, you know, or if it's a Manchester United one or something that they're able, they're going to be able to sell theirs for, 
whatever, $50 or whatever it is because it's Manchester United. But if it's a, you know, local amateur team, you know, people don't really, uh, don't really care as much, but, uh, unless you're Detroit Detroit city. um, I've just got a quick thing on that for, for, um, for scarves. So Charlotte has a scarf program for $360. I think it is. You get the 12 scarves. The team releases throughout the season. Um, which is a savings of like two scarves because scarves are twelve or thirty-five bucks a pop or whatever. Um, yeah, the Rhinos tried that last year with a second scarf that didn't look very good. That I don't think sold anything. Um, it's yeah, it, it's very difficult with merchandise because of the upfront cost, and yeah, people don't think about that. Like Mike, you had something. Well, yeah, it it, it just comes down to like. You'll always have people who will buy them as like those niche collectors, um, but that that's never going to be enough to to float a whole operation. Like you might get, um, I don't know, depending on on the marketing of a specific club, you, you'll get like at least twenty five guys who will be like, "I want this scarf just to add to my rack of fifty other scarves and have it." But it, it's for me personally, I'm not a big scarf guy. I'll buy them um, or acquire them just just to have. But like, I'm not going around wearing them. Like at a game, half the time, like I'll lose one because I'm just swinging it around or like I'm throwing it at somebody for some reason. And like, it's just not the thing on my mind. Jerseys are something more of my speed, and I know that's like an even bigger upfront cost uh, to be able to to sell jerseys. So it, it's, it's finding the sweet spot. Like I think t-shirts are a good like entry level ramp to, to merch at, a, mm-hmm. you know, a lower division level because people will just wear like the, the, the boom shirts that I have, I wear them to work. I wear them like all around just because they're comfortable and I put them on and like t-shirts are, I think more teams should focus on that as an entry level thing and not so much as an auxiliary product and scale back on the scarves and jerseys until you reach a certain level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, don't, it, don't it, sell polo shirts. Yeah. It, it depends. It's different strokes for different people, I guess. Yeah. Folks. Yeah. I, I think they're, um, but yeah, it's, I, I think what we've seen with all of this and kind of, kind of what my whole point of this was that as we've all talked about, it's, it's not a simple process. It's not, okay, this year we're going to have one team promoted and go to the next league. Even if all the leagues start working together, all the UPSL goes to USL, USL goes to MLS, go past all those issues that are, I don't want to say are, are things we can't get past, but they're going to be, they're going to be big question marks. And so we have all that, then we have the money, then we have the expenses for both the team and the fans. I would say that the way this works is that the D3 team leagues all tomorrow merge together, probably into either MLS or into USL. Then for a couple of years, we have promotion relegation between D2 and D3, and there is no new teams in that. 
So if someone else wants to become a USL team owner or an MLS team owner at D2 or D3, they need to buy a team that already exists. You need to increase the value of those teams. Um, then you start doing it with D4, figure out how that works because you're going to have to start paying D4 players at that point. There's there's going to be sponsorship. There, there's just going to be so many things that what is now an amateur level requires to make that jump work. We're not going to see the, what, 12 teams we have in UPSL local right now. And it, it's going to go down. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Um, and then going from D4 to D3 is going to be a huge change. And it's going to have to be a couple of years, see how that works, see how things move forward. In the meantime, MLS will have been capped at 30 teams for the last probably five years. And that's what I don't trust. I don't think they're going to, yeah, do I think they're going to get up to like 40 teams. And it's going to be 20 and yeah, 20. The, yeah. They're, they're going to keep, I mean, Charlotte is worth double what they were two years ago. They haven't made any money on that because they're still, the team's probably in the hole still 270 mil. I'm assuming they made money the first year and they're making money this year, but there's still a lot of money that they put out there that they they haven't made back. And until, unless they sell, um, they're not going to get that money back in a very long time. The, the, the U S soccer is going to have to come in and re- require this. And what you're going to see then is a war between MLS and U S soccer and I don't know if U.S. soccer can win that war. Um, well, the problem, why really why it's not going to happen is because the USSF doesn't have any fucking balls to do it. Like well, it, 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 have- we, We've seen that other federations and other countries have made it work if they really want to. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to because after D1, they don't give a fuck. They're just like, go ahead, Wild West, whatever, whoever wins, yeah. wins. Just we'll let, you, we'll let all these fucking different corporations operate under our system. We don't care. And, and that's really, it, it's probably a symptom of, I know, I know D1 is, is somewhat stable, but it's not getting the traction that they would have hoped by this point. So they're focused on that. They don't necessarily care enough about D2 down through whatever to actually implement something like that. So you could say, yeah, it's a situation where D1 needs to get their shit together for the rest of it to fall in order and then maybe do that. But the, it, the, it's... The, the, they don't have the money. So the the one of the things that came out, I don't want to get into the political side of the U.S. Women's National Team, but their one of their requests was that U.S. Soccer pay the difference between what the men's team would get for winning the World Cup and what the women's team got for winning the World Cup, which was something like $65 million. It was a ton of money. And what came out was, okay, even if we wanted to do that, it would in one year bankrupt us soccer because that's basically their budget. And I'm probably getting some of these specifics wrong, but MLS has a huge operating budget. And I honestly think MLS has more power in this country than us soccer does. Your soccer federation does. And that's where I think it, it all comes down to is they can't, they just can't do what is what would not be required, but what would be necessary for this. 
I just know the way that they handle the Open Cup. Um, oh, it's terrible. Disaster. Uh, just from uh, when we entered two years ago, um, you know, there was like nine teams that had a forfeit because they just um, their ITCs, which is uh, that's if you have a guy who's either born outside of the United States or played outside of the United States, they need international transfer clearance. And um, pretty much what has to happen is you, you submit the form to the U.S. Soccer. They have to contact the foreign FA that the player played in and get clearance for them to play in the U.S. again. Uh, and from what I heard, they had like two people working on that, on like old like technology, like these old yeah. And they just weren't getting back to people in time. And you had all these teams that put in all this money to play in the Open Cup, and they were just they couldn't process it in time. And um, so yeah, that just happened with the NISA team. Yeah, and just just from what I, the interactions I've had with U.S. Soccer, it's a they're a train wreck. Yeah, so I wouldn't put any faith in them trying to fix this whole promotion relegation. Uh, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's where I think the big problem is is that they're they're spread very thin. So e- even if I'm trying to be the the optimist here, they, they don't have the ability to do what to do what is necessary to get this moving. So it has to be a league run function, and I the best possibility I think we have right now is USL Championship in D one decided to do it, but you're going to still have teams that say no, because if you're North Carolina FC, half your games are within a two hour drive of each other. So why are you going to suddenly move up and then have to take flights everywhere? It's, it's a big push. And the first, the problem that they're going to run into um, and I think we should probably wrap this up shortly. Well, yeah, that, that's when I introduced Nick back in with the boom ownership that was supposed to be the right. Oh. And then we started <laughs> well, going off on all this other shit. Uh, my, my concern with ProRel is the first time we have it and a team says, no, we're not being promoted. It's going to blow up. It's going to become a huge. There's going to be such a big talking point, such a huge move to get ProRel. And then when a team says, nah, we can't do it people are going to lose their minds because no one's going to understand what's happening. I mean, we've had a soccer broadcast that didn't understand that VAR stops games. Players can't stop VAR from reviewing it. We're no one's going to understand the require understand what is going on before they start reacting. And I think it would cause way more problems in whatever it would cause way more problems than if promotion and relegation had never occurred in the first place. It's definitely going to be a tough uh, thing. I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but man, it's, there's so many moving parts to it. And I think, I think that's, that's the thing that annoys me the most when I I look at these like blogs and whatever, these Twitter people that just think you could just snap your fingers and Oh, well, the way it's done in England. So that's how it's going to be done here. It's like, (laughs) when MLS was created, it was, Look at going back to when we started this podcast three days ago. Um, <laughs> uh, MLS was created as just as like, hey, we don't have any league at all. You need a pro league if you want to host the World Cup. And I mean, the first I think within the first like few years, they were down like two hundred fifty million dollars. They were losing like fifty million a year mm-hmm. as a league. And really, until Beckham came in, 
the the Beckham effect is what just got more eyeballs on the league and yeah, uh, exactly. That's where that ex- the expansion boom just went crazy, and now you got teams willing to put in three hundred million dollars to join a league. I mean, they're doing something right. I mean, okay, it's not you know maybe everybody's cup of tea. Okay, they're you know you got the pro rel crowd, but be happy that we have a league. I mean, because when I was growing up, there was no. I'm not old enough to remember NASL, you know, and. Uh, yeah, MLS started, and I was 18 when MLS started. So as a kid, I didn't have a, you know, there wasn't a, an American league to support. You had to, I had to catch the Italian Serie A channel 17. You'd get one game a week, and uh, you get highlights. <laughs> after. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little younger than you, but yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't have a I didn't have a European I didn't ha- I didn't have a soccer team growing up I like I played soccer um, when the Rhinos came around but that was I was thirteen when the Rhinos came around so the I think people it's it's easier for people to kind of forget and the I guess my final point will be that it's hard when you have people who are more interested in a soccer team in the fifth tier in England that they're never going to see. Well, they may see because they're going to come over to they're they're coming to the U.S. over the summer. But Wrexham has more fans in New York and than will ever go to a boom game for reasons that I don't understand. And I'm not saying they're the same level, but it's I don't understand why people have this issue with watching local soccer. And hopefully with seeing what the excitement about Wrexham and understanding that, yes, we do have the U.S. Open Cup, which is basically what the FA Cup is. So don't listen to the lies. The people understand that's the local pride that they're talking about over there. We have that here. It may not be televised. It may not be may not be on local TV, but it's still something that you can get behind. And it's very organic, very easy to get involved. We basically started this podcast because we screwed up three of your broadcasts uh, the first year. So there's there's ways to help out very easily. And you can yeah, for, become for, involved in soccer. For people who don't know, we did a couple of broadcasts for Rock City Boom, and then we got fired. For for, for legitimate reasons. I, I agree with the reasons. You, got, you guys got um, reassigned. Yeah. yeah, reassigned to, to not doing them anymore. Yeah. Well, my closing point is the same as it was yesterday and the day before that, which is fuck MLS. I really don't like it. And there's <laughs> nothing they can do to make me like it. So you just, I don't like it. That's it. I just don't like it. <laughs> it comes down to, there's no reason for me to like it. Yep. And I'm sorry that you're mad that I don't like it, but I don't like your league. Um, was there anything else we wanted to wrap up on? Oh, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, it was a pleasure speaking, um, speaking with you guys. And, uh, like yeah. I said, remember, uh, next Saturday, April 16th, or next Sunday, I should say, I'm sorry. Next Sunday, April 16th, four o'clock, catch the boom at, uh, East Ridge High School. Tickets are $10. You can get them online 
rockcityboom.com slash tickets, or uh, you can get them at the door. Yeah, Plus, it, yeah. fun, uh, local exciting soccer, support your local soccer team. Um, we're not going to go on a five-year hiatus and, um, you know, and come back and blame you for us being on a five-year hiatus and, you know, we'll be around. The only reason, uh, so, yeah. So all the games are on Sunday, right? Pretty much? Yes. With the schedule? Yeah. yeah, every game is on. We were going to have a Saturday and a Friday game, but the other the two teams we were playing couldn't play on those days. So, right. so every, yeah, so six Sunday games. Yep. All right, so Sundays. Um, we don't make the playoff. If you buy a season ticket, remember, if the boom missed the playoffs in 23, your season ticket is free. So you if go. you go and you buy a season ticket for $50, here, here's here's the plus. One, if we miss the playoffs, we, we will give you your money back. And two, if we go as far as we did in the playoffs last year, you're going to get a four additional games for free. Because we will be hosting the Western, um, the Northeast final is being hosted by Western New York. So if we were awesome. scenario last year, you would have had four extra games for free. So yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, yeah, that's fifty bucks for a season ticket. That if the impossible happens and they don't make the playoffs, it's free. That's that's a good deal. And if we go all the, if we go as far as we did last year. Uh, it's gonna be ten, ten games, so ten games for fifty bucks. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then all the away games are streamed on either what YouTube or Eleven Sports. I'm not even gonna tell you who st- most teams don't stream. We're our games are gonna be streamed on YouTube, but come check them out in person. Yeah, uh, right. it's a different, uh, it's a different environment. Uh, we got, you know, I got some groups coming in that you know will. Hopefully, you know, the attendance numbers will, you know, hopefully some of these uh, Strat RNYFC former fans will come out and support us. <laughs> well, nah. yeah. yeah. Not like yeah. they got anything else going on on a Sunday. So. Yeah. yeah. We, we, always had a, we always had a great time at all the games we went to, either where we were commentating or where we just showed up and were idiots yelling about the pizza. Um, oh, no, I, love, people's... I love when you... When you guys sat like in the the corner section, the one game, um, the one day when it was like super hot outside, and I, I told the guy at the stadium, I'm like, we got to get people on the other side of the stadium. I can't have them baking in the sun. And uh, when you guys sat in the one corner, and Mike was lighting off the smoke bombs, and that was just, that atmosphere was was electric. So I'm hoping we can, you know, emulate that again this year. And, you know, have you guys, Stu? I know you know you're down in North Carolina. You know, if you can come up for a game, we'd love to have you. Well, we talk Ooh. to the uh, commissioner of uh, the division and see if he can maybe supplement his travel costs. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. All right. So come on out. Support the boom. Season's coming up soon. Check the articles on the website. If you haven't read the season preview for boom, go back and read that. And then we will also be putting out an article Kind of about what we were talking about today. Um, And then throughout the season, um, we're going to be doing more articles, uh, post-game previews, stuff like that for RCB. So check those out. Yep. Yeah, we forgot to announce on here if somehow your only way of getting access to us is through the podcast. We did relaunch our website. It actually 
functions much more as an actual functioning website. And we've relaunched as kind of local soccer in Rochester and including obviously the boom. So Valiant 33, Valiant, the number 33.com or Valiant 33.com will redirect over as well. All right, guys. All right. Good talk. Yeah. Yeah, great talking to you.